Thank you, choir. Wonderful song from Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God, says the Lord. Back in 2005, a team in the Netherlands worked meticulously to try to break the world record for falling dominoes. You know how they stand dominoes up like this side by side and then you hit the first one and they go all through whatever they've set up. In order to break the world record, they were going to have to have more than four million dominoes set up to do that. But all of that painstaking labor came within inches of disaster when after a long day of setting up dominoes, one of the workers left a window open and a sparrow flew in and knocked down approximately 25,000 dominoes. Now, the reason that all of the dominoes didn't fall is an interesting one. The team had put into the string 750 gaps purposefully just so that if something like that happened, all of their painstaking work would not go for naught. The gaps were a, a, a safety measure, if you will, in order to prevent all of the dominoes from falling as a result of just one misstep or accident. Now, believe it or not, the principle behind that domino strategy is one that you and I also absolutely must incorporate into our own lives if we're going to have the kind of relationship with God that God wants us to have. I'm going to borrow a word today to refer to this principle that, that I think helps us conceptualize the principle as well as any I've ever heard, and that word is margin. It comes from the title of Dr. Richard Swinson's best-selling book on the subject, Margin, Restoring Emotional, Physical, Financial, and Time Reserves to Overloaded Lives. And I want to begin with a scriptural foundation found in the sixth chapter of the Gospel of Mark. We're going to be looking at verses 30 to 32 in a moment or two. Now, Jesus had already called to himself his 12 disciples, and he had sent them out on a mission trip, if you will. He had empowered them and authorized them to go out through the, the towns, the villages of Israel, and do ministry, to proclaim the, the good news, to heal the sick and cast out demons and all of those sorts of things, and they had done it. And where we come to in our text, they had returned from that, no doubt spent from doing all of that ministry, to report to Jesus what they had done. And that's where we pick up. If you're able, I invite you to stand with me for the reading of the Word of God as I read these few verses for us. <clears throat> the Bible says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to Him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, He said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Thank you. You may be seated. <coughs> now it's obvious from this text that Jesus recognized the need for 
some margin in the lives of his disciples. They had become so busy that they didn't even have time to eat. They were too busy to eat. That's something I think we modern disciples can identify with. I think we need margin just as desperately as they did, if not more so. For example, they tell me the average office worker gets over 200 messages a day in email, texts, memos, phone calls, interruptions, advertisements. It's a wonder we get any of our work done, isn't it? And so just like Jesus' first disciples, we also know what it's like to be so busy we don't even have a chance to eat. It's a symptom of modern life, it seems. One observer referred to our busyness as being pathologically overextended. Even our kids pick up on it. There was a school photographer taking the annual pictures of first graders at an elementary school, and as school photographers do, he was making small talk with kids, trying to put them at ease so that he could get good photographs of them. One little girl had obviously been watching her parents pretty closely because the photographer asked her, what are you going to be when you grow up? Tired, she said. <laughs> After all, mommy and daddy are. Dr. Swinson calls it overload syndrome, and he lists some of the ways that it manifests itself in his book. Activity overload is one. We have, a, have coined a new word in, in our generation, multitasking. When we have activity overload, we, we go into multitasking mode, trying to do more than one thing at once. But Dr. Swinson says doing that takes away the pleasure of anticipation and the delight of reminiscence because we're too busy to undertake those things. We have choice overload or decision overload. Back in 1980, there were 12,000 items on the shelves of an average supermarket. By 2014, that number had grown to over 42,000. We have more choices to make uh, than we have ever had before in our lives. In fact, uh, you may remember the late Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple Computer. He always wore a black turtleneck and jeans every day. And the reason he said he did that was so he wouldn't have to decide in the morning what to put on to wear that day. So he could save his mental energy for decision making for more important decisions. Even he recognized we have choice overload. We have commitment overload, debt overload, expectation overload. As our technology advances, we are expected to produce more than we used to. Those of you who are around a generation or two ago, you remember the promise that one day we'd have a four-day work week or a three-day work week because we had all of these labor-saving devices that were being invented and coming on the market. That didn't quite work out that way, did it? We just filled in the time we gained with more stuff, more productivity, more time used because of Technology. We have fatigue overload. Over half of us admit to being more exhausted at the end of a vacation than at the beginning. Because we go, go, go during our leisure time, don't we? We have hurry overload. Information overload. They say that a single edition of the New York Times contains more information than a 17th century British citizen would have encountered in a lifetime. 
Information overload, bombarded with information constantly. Media overload. UNESCO estimates 2.2 million new book titles are published every year around the world. 2.2 million. Who has time to read all that? We have noise overload, people overload, possession overload. You know, we possess more things than any people in history, and all of those things require time, maintenance, and attention, don't they? Technology overload, something new invented every day. In fact, they have said that a, a, an average person has to learn how to operate 20,000 pieces of equipment over his or her lifetime. 20,000. Dr. Swinson says, I have a physics degree, but don't know how to set my watch. <laughs> we live our lives right up to the edges of the page. We don't leave any margin there. We fill it up, fill our time with activities and distractions and work and you know what, every kind of thing. But what happens if a sparrow comes along and knocks over one of our dominoes? It's a cascading catastrophe, isn't it? It just throws everything into chaos. Jesus knew all about that. He knew his disciples needed some downtime in their lives in order to process and reflect, in order to refresh and to restore, to, to integrate the things that they were learning, what they were hearing in his teaching. His disciples needed it. In fact, Jesus Himself needed it. That's right. Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the one that we so often think of as, as Superman, having this big red S on His chest. I mean, we're talking about Jesus here. Even He needed it. He did not live His life to the edge of the page. Even though He only had about three years of public ministry, you would think he would fill that up, get as much done as possible. But he left some space. That's, that's why he was able to do so much ministry during interruptions. You read the Gospels, you find Jesus is always being interrupted by someone with a need. He's going from here to there and, and a woman reaches out, touches the hem of his garment. Or a, a blind man cries, have mercy on me. Jesus stops and he ministers in these circumstances. And the only way he could do that is because he had space to do it, some margin in his life. And so he tells the disciples here, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. That's the New International Version. It's an interpretive translation because the with me part isn't actually in the Greek text, but I think they've hit the nail on the head. It's obvious that Jesus is calling them to go with Him to a quiet place, to get some rest, to build in some margin, to create some boundaries. And certainly they did. Now the point is, if Jesus needed margin in His life, Jesus the Son of God, Jesus the Savior of the world, Jesus the divine man, if He needed margin in His life, then how much more do ordinary folks like you and I need margin in our lives? We who are frail creatures of dust, we need space if Jesus did. And God knows that we do. 
God had a plan from the start so that we would set aside at least one day out of every seven for refilling our tanks, so to speak, both physically and spiritually. Now, God called it a Sabbath, but what it really is, is margin, isn't it? We need that margin to be the people God created us to be. Now, we fool ourselves into thinking that uh, if we fill up the margins of our page, that we accomplish more by doing that. But it isn't really true. Without any margin, productivity actually suffers. There have been studies to show that. You may remember the late Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A, making that decision early on to close all of his restaurants on Sundays. And he said he sold more chicken that way. He did it for religious reasons, but it actually helped him sell more chicken, according to his estimation. And he certainly had happier employees as a result of it, don't you think? Not having to give all of their weekends to work. It helps to leave some margin. I think the practice uh, in gardening of pruning a plant has a, a similar kind of principle behind it. You know, if you, if you cut off some branches, that allows the other branches to flourish and to produce more fruit because there is space to do so. It's all a testimony to God's design. God knows that we need margin in our lives, physically, emotionally, financially, spiritually. But the most important reason we need margin in our lives is not related to productivity or to rest or any of those things. The most important reason you need margin in your life is this. You will only experience God in the margin. You will only experience God in the margin. If you don't have margin in your life, you're not going to have God in your life. You won't have room for Him. You'll be too busy for Him. Oh, He'll, he'll want to be there. He'll try to be there. He'll be speaking, but you won't be able to hear. You won't experience God because you have to have margin to do it. Now, this isn't any great revelation, by the way. Dr. Mike Zigarelli of the Charleston Southern University School of Business conducted a survey of over 20,000 Christians in 139 countries in an attempt to discover the biggest obstacles to spiritual growth in their lives. 40% reported that they often or always rush from task to task. 60% said that it is often or always true that, quote, the busyness of life gets in the way of developing my relationship with God. Busyness gets in the way. Over 60% of both men and women reported busyness as interfering with their relationship with God. We know we're busy, but do we understand how spiritually dangerous that busyness is? Christian author and speaker Gordon MacDonald has said that busyness is a deeper threat to the soul than pornography. Busyness. Something we think of as benign, even praiseworthy. We, we meet one another in the 
post office or the grocery store. How you doing? Oh, I'm busy. I'm just staying busy. I'm so busy. And yet it's spiritually dangerous, deadly dangerous. If we can't slow down long enough to hear ourselves think, how do we ever think that we're going to hear God's still small voice whispering in our ears? Listen to this quote by a British hymn writer and theologian named Frederick Faber. He said, there's hardly ever a complete silence in our soul. God is whispering to us well nigh incessantly. Whenever the sounds of the world die out in the soul or sink low, then we hear these whisperings of God. He's always whispering to us, only we do not always hear because of the noise, hurry, and distraction which life causes as it rushes on. Does that sound familiar to you? Here's the thing. Faber said that over 150 years ago. Before the advent of radio and television and internet and social media and smartphones and all of the distractions that we have that surround us in our generation and time, these overloaded lives we're living will spell spiritual suicide if we don't get away with Jesus in a quiet place once in a while. Get a little rest, do a little reflecting. Do a little listening to the still small voice of God. But if we do that, we will find rest for our souls. The rest that Jesus promises. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. What better subject to talk about, think about, than, than on a Labor Day weekend holiday. We take a day off from work every year. To rest, supposedly. So it, God is even using the government to help us get the message today. Take some time to pause, to breathe, to reflect, to listen to the voice of God. The late uh, Mac, Mike Iaconelli was a uh, youth ministry specialist. And he used to travel the country speaking at youth gatherings and conferences and and leading seminars and all of that sort of thing. Well, once he got stuck in an airport, and uh, here's how he tells the story of what happened. He said, I, I travel a lot, and I came to San Francisco one night, missed my connection back home. I was angry and upset. I called my son on the phone. I wanted him to encourage me. I said, man, I'm stuck in the airport. It's been a horrible day. I've been traveling too much. My son said, you know, Dad, if you didn't travel so much, you wouldn't have things like this happen. <laughs> well, he said, I didn't appreciate that. I was ticked off. I said, let me talk to your son, his two-year-old grandson. Well, he said, I forgot that when you're two, you can't talk. And when you're 60, like I am, you can't hear. So this is not a good combination. He's mumbling on the phone. I'm hoping this is going to make me feel better. It's just making me feel worse. Finally, I've had it. I hear the phone drop on the floor. Now I hear the kids playing. I'm stuck at the airport. I have this miserable experience. I'm furious and angry. When all of a sudden I hear crystal clear over the phone, I love you, Grandpa. He said, you know what? All my anxiety, everything went right out the window. Just with that. 
He said, there are people who are so busy, they're at their wit's end. If they'd only stop for a minute, they could hear the God of the universe whisper to them, I love you. If we'd only stop for a minute, we could hear God telling us of His love for us. But will we do it? Are the other things that we're doing in life so important? More important than hearing God say, I love you. I care about you. I'm interested in you. I want a relationship with you that is living and vital and active. Are the other things we're doing more important than that? There was one aging senior who was reflecting on his life and he bemoaned the fact that as he saw it, he had lived his life like the professor on Gilligan's Island. Now, some of you young people may have to go on YouTube to figure out what Gilligan's Island is. Those of us who've been around for a while, we remember those seven stranded castaways on that deserted uh, aisle, and, and the, the professor was the smart one, the one who could do anything. And this senior felt like he had lived his life like the professor. He said, the professor found time to make generators out of coconuts, radio batteries out of bamboo, vaccines out of algae, but he never got around to fixing that big hole in the boat so he could go home. <laughs> what was more important? <laughs> I suppose if he'd fixed the hole in the boat, they wouldn't have had a TV show, but be that as it may, how many of us live our lives like the professor on Gilligan's Island, engaged in all different kinds of things, maybe even good things, productive things, helpful things, but we're neglecting the most important thing, pausing long enough to listen to the voice of God, to talk with God, to have communion with God, the God who loves us more than we can ever imagine, God who loved us enough to let His Son die on a cross to save us, to have that relationship with us. In the midst of your busy life, Jesus is saying to you, come with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest. Put some margin in your life because that's where you experience God. Now, what an invitation that is. Jesus saying, come with me by yourself to a quiet place. Get some rest. Only question is, how will we respond to that fantastic invitation? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, forgive us for pathologically overextending ourselves, for filling up our schedules to the very limits with activities that in the scope of eternity will ultimately amount to so little. God, may we pace ourselves better. May we live according to the rhythms of life that you have established for us. May we take a time, a, a day, to rest, to reflect, to recharge, to interact with you. And God, we know that you will bless us if we do that. 
Father, I pray that each one of us in this place today will come to Jesus and find rest for our souls. Follow His example. Obey His commandments. And experience a relationship with You unlike anything we've ever experienced before. God, make it so in our lives. On this holiday weekend, this Labor Day weekend, teach us to rest in You. We pray it in Jesus' name.